Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Andrew and Andrew on Texas Criminal Defense. Andrew, it's a hot one out there. It is. How you doing, man? I'm doing all right. I guess for everybody listening, this is my co-host, Andrew Decker. I'm Andrew Decker and my co-host, Andrew Harith. We're Howdy. glad to be here. Yes, we it, are glad to be it's here. It's September. Yeah, still, actually. Still living in COVID, about to celebrate Labor Day. You're gonna yeah, go it's to, coming up first you, week, right? For or like the fifth or sixth, something right, like that. Monday. Yeah. Right? So are you going to go to the lake and hang out with a bunch of people without masks? I am not. Are okay. you? No, 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 no. Yeah, absolutely not. Yeah. Still, still not safe. Keep that mask on. Mine matches my tie, in case you want to know. <laughs> like always. Um, <laughs> hey, man, I'm really excited about this, uh, this episode today. I know I say that for every show, but this one is, I think, is going to be um, just really fruitful for a lot of our attorneys out there. We're talking today about... About like pretrial diversions, how to keep people out of trouble, getting them some second chances from a friend of mine from law school, Liz Wiggins. Uh, she practices criminal defense down in Georgetown, Texas. Some of you who are Fantastic. listening not, might know Georgetown, Williamson County. Uh, they're the ones that gave us Michael Morton, the cheating attorneys of Williamson County, and but that would be the, the prosecutors, not the defense attorneys. <laughs> so, Liz, you're not in that group, but we're glad you're here today. Hey, Liz. Well, uh, thank you for inviting me. Had I known I was going to get that introduction, I feel like um, I would have made sure it was very clear that I'm not a part of those cheating attorneys. <laughs> yeah, hey, it's on public record. <laughs> we can't do anything about that. <laughs> and it, yeah, and your name's not not on that public record at all. Instead, you're a very uh, hardworking criminal defense attorney down in Wilco. Um, but yeah, they had a they. You no, know, that's where I met my wife down in Georgetown. Wow. Focus. Podcast. I am focused. Well, so, I was thinking about my wife. It's hard to focus. <laughs> so they they did have a reputation for a while, Liz, about being like one of the the toughest counties to get in trouble in. You know, uh, so when I was a prosecutor here, we were quite proud of that reputation and they continue to be quite proud of that reputation. In fact, um, they do not want to be known for anything less than being hard on crime. Very law and order in Williamson County. And I, and I think that's just like what happens when you have, you know, the, the most powerful law enforcement officer being a district attorney and a sheriff, both being elected officials. And so politics plays a huge part in that. Um, so how long were you with the, uh, the DA's office over there? So I here they have the district attorney's office and the county attorney's office, uh, actually two separate offices. And I went to work at the county attorney's office after law school. So I was there for the first couple of years of practice. Um, I actually interned there before I was hired there. So I was there for just a little over two years. Cool. All right. So, so obviously let's back up a little bit. Uh, to talk to talk pre-law school, what got you into the law? Why why did why did Liz Wiggins decide to become an attorney? You know, I always hate that question because I feel like I'm going to throw up all kinds of information that nobody really wants to hear about. But um, I will tell you that the short of the answer is got to be that I wanted to affect change. I wanted to help people, and I thought coming from a background where. I saw a lot of low-income families and individuals being railroaded by the system. I thought, well, what we need is more people from this, this lifestyle, this background to make it up there, to be on the bench and to help make decisions and um, kind of be the gatekeeper, so to speak. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, Andrew, all of that. Andrew, did you just hear that she thinks people like Liz need to be on the bench? I did. Um, let's just back that up a little bit. <laughs> Okay, you know, we're willing to endorse you today if you want. 
that was my aspiration when I went to law school. Yes. I um, actually remember that. Yep. That was the entire purpose was, oh, I have to have that law degree before I can become a judge. And, you know, but that was, that was back, like you said, pre-law when you actually thought the world worked a certain way, but then you go to law school, become a lawyer, and then you realize, oh, it doesn't quite work that way. Yeah. Get a little dose of real life there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that really? still would be, uh, that still is a, you know, I think that'd be a, a very good goal for any of our defense attorneys to have. We do need more defense attorneys running for judge. Right. Because right. I would say the average judge has been a prosecutor. Um, and in places where there's career prosecutors who then become judges, yeah. it, you, you truly get a, get a semi heavy stack of, State-minded State judge, yeah. Right, uh, we'll say minded, not favored. Okay, you'll say minded. I'll say favored. <laughs> okay, all right. So, so you came into law to affect change, and and um, you ended up. Uh, and what we want you to talk about today is your passion for um, uh, helping out. You know, new and especially young clients uh, from having a permanent record. So, what kind of programs? I guess. Well, or how, how do you keep a how do you keep a client from having that permanent record that they all hate so much? Yeah. Yeah. So, actually, so one of the things that I have been able to do with affecting change has been um, when it comes to programs and and helping people get to a position to be able to do expunctions and things like that. When I was a prosecutor, I was able to actually be the prosecutor assigned um, to be in charge of our local pretrial intervention program. Um, one of the things I was able to do was learn from, uh, I guess you can say our, our P, we call it PTIP. I'm sure every county has their own little acronym for it, but I was able to learn from the lady who has all these, I don't know, clinical assessment degrees that has all the little alphabet stuff past her name, way more than right. we get all the way from law school. Um, <laughs> so, you know, one of the things I got to do is talk with her and learn about um, kind of people's thought process, why they do some of the things that they do, who makes a good um, a good candidate for a program like that, and why are they a good candidate, specifically about how people, maybe they make a, a bad choice, but it doesn't define who they are. And I became very passionate about that. I had always been passionate about that situation, but I didn't know so much about these programs until I was a prosecutor and, and had this opportunity. So through that, I was able to learn more about it. And when I became a defense attorney, I continued to stay up on top of our programs about that. I got to see how it affects people in the real world, our clients, um, what it means to get in that program, to get to that dismissal and being eligible to have their record expunged, as well as other situations like non-disclosures, juvenile ceilings of records, as well as um, just how those, those programs are applied um, county to county and uh, other specialty courts too. So here we have a DWI drug court program, we have a vet court program, we have what's called a, a mental health docket or an MHMR docket, um, and we have the PTI program. And so P PTI, that, that's the pretrial intervention. Pretrial intervention. Yep. Mm -hmm. There you go. I, 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 I had a little bit of a brain skid and I was like, what is PTI? <laughs> Listen, I like to use acronyms. If I could just add them to the end of my name, I'd sound way more important than I actually am. Well, you, do, uh, you, 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 have, you have at least JD behind your name, right? 
I do, except it, it's very weird to add that at the end of your name. Do you, does the Andrew unit, do you guys, the Andrews go with the Andrews, JD? Or JDSs or JDs. Well, now we're going to. Yeah, I was about to say, <laughs> we just became Andrew JDs. <laughs> there you uh, go. Yeah, I I don't. I and I I get it. I mean, I see some attorneys that will have like the ESQ yep. after their name, and I just I do a big eye roll whenever I see that. So <laughs> I I refrain from doing that. Well, you know, my initials are AJD. Yeah. <laughs> so there's that. Right. You should do it. Well, I am AJD. I don't have to put anything else. I mean, I, st- I you know, whenever you email me, I, I, I roll anyways. So yeah. That's a anyway, we're, let's get back to Liz. Let's get Got back it. to Liz. So, so you said drug and DWI, um, veteran vet, support, mental health, mental health, and pretrial intervention. So, yeah. what would be some things if if you had a new client come in that you would start thinking this person. Uh, might really be be geared for a uh, one of these programs. So I'm glad that you asked that. Actually, like that when you say when they come in, because one of the things that I've been noticing in my experience is that you know you're generally speaking as a defense attorney, you're not the first attorney they've spoken to. Sometimes, but not always, right? They've talked right. to other people, or after they talk to you, they plan to go talk to somebody else. Um, what I've been learning from clients is that when they speak with other attorneys, sometimes the first things that the other attorney talks to them about is a program. And I find that frustrating because we're lawyers and the very first thing we should be looking at is, is there a way to legally get that case dismissed without a program? Right. Yes. Um, Good call. Way to go, Liz. That, that has got to be the first thing. I mean, why should they retain an attorney if all we're doing is determining which program fits them best, right? That's, right. that's plan B. Plan A is, is there something to work with? And a lot of times our clients, they describe the situation in a way that sounds like there's nothing there. They think they're, you know, the case is slam dunk. They're going to be proven guilty. Why should they hire somebody? Um, and they want to learn all about these programs. But sometimes there is something legally wrong with the case. And maybe the client just doesn't know. Or maybe there isn't anything wrong. But that's why we have to review the videos. We have to review everything. And we have to make sure our client is educated and knows that it's very important that we're not recommending a program until we've actually had a chance to review the case. Right. Because the things that we've found wrong um, that are legally wrong with the case and you can get to a dismissal without our program is amazing, right? And not only does it save your client cost and time and, and the risk, which I'll go into about those programs, um, but it also gives the, puts them in the best position to get to an expunction in the future. And so that's very important. I think criminal arrests are life-changing. And I think that if, if we don't get them into the right, I think in the right position to have the best outcome to to get those after effects, that expunction, that non-disclosure, whatever they can to help seal their record, then we're doing a disservice to them. We have to do the best that we can. And the first thing to do is review that case before you start looking at programs. That's just plan B is, right. is considering a program. Yeah, just because these programs are good and and probably like, you know, best case scenario for a lot of our clients doesn't mean we, you know, our job as attorneys is just to funnel them into one of these if they qualify. Like, this is a great opportunity or maybe a great opportunity for some of our clients if 
the state can legally make their case. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So, so oh, go ahead. I, I know in a few of the counties that that uh, we practice, that Andrew and I practice in, uh, from the date of filing, you have ninety days to try to get in a, a pretrial diversion program. Yeah. And sometimes you really don't. It might be filed, but you may not have really had the chance to do to do the work, or there may be something missing. Uh, as to why this case should be maybe thrown out. Maybe it's not a good case, but you end up appointed on the 89th day, right? Yeah. You're appointed late because they didn't get an attorney. They didn't ask for an attorney. And so you literally are trying to get them signed up because you don't want to miss that opportunity just because you haven't for, you know, a late appointment, uh, didn't have a chance to get them signed up, uh, in time. So so if you had if you had video right now and you could see me, you'd see my big old smile that I have because now I'm thinking I'm thanking Wilco for having Michael Morton because they tried that here, uh, right. where like a sixty or ninety day that you had to apply, but that's one of the issues is we haven't even received all the evidence half the time by then and how can you properly advise your client that a program is an appropriate avenue or route? when you don't even know if the state can legally prove the case yet because the evidence is still outstanding. So it's, it's something that um, they do put a deadline on it so that cases aren't going on forever in a day. And I think an attorney should try to get that determined as quickly as possible because the longer they're on bond is time that they could have been in a program and completing that. So, I mean, it's really for the benefit of our client that we should try to do it efficiently, but at the end of the yeah. day, we need to have access to that evidence first, and we need to review it first before we advise them to do that. I don't know if your county, where um, for the application, they have to admit guilt to the offense, and yep. they have to provide a, a description, right? Do you guys have that too? Yeah, mo yep. most of the programs that I've seen are required at least some form of admission, um, you know, uh, depending on what the, what the exact case is. There has to be some admission to guilt. There actually might have to be, like you said, a description of what the events were, how it happened. Um, we actually have a judge in Tarrant County that will, after a plea, go, so who gave you these drugs? And you're going, geez, I mean, you yeah. know, in open court, he's just literally asking for more information. And this is someone who's taken a full plea. They have right. pled guilty. They're done. They don't have to do anything else. And the judge is browbeating them and just kind of go, holy crap. Yeah, that is, does your guys' pretrial require a plea in front of the judge before they go into the program? Depends on the programs. Depends Probably. on the program, depends on the county. Most um, of the time. But generally, it requires at least some form of admission, either to the district attorney's office and or to the judge. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's similar here. It depends on the program. The PTI's or pretrial intervention program is specifically ran by the county attorney's office. And um, the, the admission of guilt has to, it's, it's in writing and it's documented to the prosecutor's office. It's kind of a form, I guess you could say it's still in the negotiation process because it's not done in front of the judge. And the judge, all they do is um, reset the case to the end of the program date so that you have time to complete the program, be compliant with it. Um, so that's how they support that. But if you fell out of the program, you ha already have an agreed upon plea bargain that's set out that you're agreeing to do. Yeah. Um, 
But of course, I mean, and then of course, if you choose not to do that, you try to go to trial, they're going to admit all these documents in front of a jury. So right. Yeah. Um, Basically, look, he swore he was guilty on this date in this writing. Um, yeah. So what I'm hearing is, okay, there's some similarities maybe from where you practice uh, to where Andrew and I practice. Um, so this is not like these pretrial intervention programs. They're not directed or or overseen by the state is that right that not by statute anyway there is a statute that that essentially says you know you can have a pretrial diversion program and um, it kind of lays out how that's done um, yeah. it's very brief and they have um, they have a statute too in regards to like veterans court the right drug court like specialty courts essentially okay and they have things like that, but they're they're not um, because it doesn't have all the details. Each county gets to decide how they're going to have that court or have that program or you know do certain things. And so there's things that they can tweak, especially about the pretrial intervention program because it's run by the prosecutor's office generally. Um, then they can create it to look like how they want it to look and. For instance, sometimes you can get an expunction immediately after you finish the program. And yeah. in certain situations, you have to waive your right to expunction forever. Um, and others, um, I think you've told me, uh, you're familiar with a place where it's you waive your right to an expunction just for two years. Right. And so it's. I think that's different per county. Um, the length of time of the program is dictated by each county. Uh, ours was as low as six months, um, and it can be as long as 12 months, depending on several uh, variables. But in other counties, I've heard two years long. And um, so it just really depends on what that county is trying to achieve. I will tell you that my experience is that the program looks good to the public. You know, we're helping people you know, giving them a second chance for people who deserve it, who never really been in trouble before, um, who meet certain criteria uh, to get in this program and that deserve that. So it seems very, um, I guess, I don't know what the right word is, but, you know, very giving of your community members, right? We're giving them this chance, this opportunity. It's, it's a privilege and it's not, it's not something that people are actually entitled to in any way. Um, not for pretrial intervention program. Right. And so yeah, I, don't, I don't know that any of the programs where there's actually an entitlement to the program, like because it either has to be approved by the district attorney, county attorney, or by a judge. Um, and so there's always at least a checkpoint that's not a, this is a right. You have a right to uh, this second chance. Right. And so, and the only ones that I know that go to two years are for low-level felony, usually drug offenses, um, with someone who's relatively young, uh, first offense. I think you need to get out to some of these little rinky-dinky little counties. They do like two oh, years. We like do. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to remember, Andrew and I, Andrew and I traveled to, to some, to some. Uh, <laughs> we'll we'll just say some counties that literally the county seat is not an incorporated city or town. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Wow. That's a good road trip. So you've probably been there and don't even necessarily know, but there are some counties that, you know, a lot of places treat DWI as like their murder cases. And um, it's two years for a DWI for a pretrial. So 
it's surprising to me. I mean, there's a reason why the legislature has already said that those are misdemeanors and class B misdemeanors at that. Yeah. Well, honestly, I don't know that any county I work in currently has a pretrial diversion or a DWI court that doesn't end up with a conviction. See that, that too, there's a, there are a lot of counties and a lot of people actually who just believe that DWIs should not be given second chances. And people have very strong opinions about DWIs, partly because they're often repeated offenses um, and the dangers, right? Somebody operated a motor vehicle while they're intoxicated. I mean, it's a deadly machine and people die all the time. Yeah, our last guest was suing a DWI offender who killed three people. So yeah, right. Right. Yeah. And it's really sad. I mean, I had to watch in court as somebody was talking about, I, th- I think it was a gentleman had been standing on the sidewalk crossing, was ready to cross, but hadn't crossed. He was just standing there with his, with his child and somebody killed him in a car. Mm-hmm. Um, and wasn't even in the, you know, wasn't in another car. Wasn't, it wasn't like a car accident. It just, to know that you're standing somewhere and you're, you're just, your life's over and the mother was grieving and it's such a horrific loss. And frankly, typically, and this is a part that I know is hard um, and I don't expect the grieving family to be the people to understand this or, or think like this, but I think the system should think more like this, which is at the end of the day, that driver probably feels worse about themselves than what anything else we can ever do to them. And it's not, and and obviously cases like that are not going to go into pretrial, right? Those are right, felony. Right. Yeah, those that's are a felony. felony. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Those are felony level offenses. Um, but people tend to take those emotions and then place them into first time DWI cases. Cases yeah. where people are maybe just on the cuffs of the legal limit or right. um you know, there's a real question of whether or not they were even actually intoxicated. But the problem is people get scared to go to trial when they have the option of a program to get to a dismissal or going to trial and, and placing their fate in the hands of six people, right? So they'd rather they'd rather um, take that opportunity and do that, go through that process and get to that dismissal. And it sounds real easy, but here, I don't know if it's the same there, but in Williamson County specifically, your case is pending the whole time, right? And if you're not compliant, you could end up having a conviction after all, if you failed to complete certain requirements of the program or you get arrested again, let's say you get into a fight with somebody and you get arrested for assault family violence and it could be something minor that could get you kicked out. Right. You, and completely unrelated to alcohol or DWI. Right. Correct. You could have, you could have, um, your DWI could be, could be based off of smoking marijuana and then, and you don't typically drink, but let's say you have one drink and they find out in the program you violated, they have a no tolerance for that and you're out. That's a year long. You're an adult and you maybe went to a wedding. Like it happens so often where people are like, does this mean I can't? I'm going to a wedding in Mexico and they said I could go. Does this mean I can't drink when I go? I'm like, yes, that's what that means. It it means if they find out you had a drink in Mexico, you violated because you were told no alcohol and no alcohol means. And I I mean, it's something, it's something that, that I think most attorneys 
they say, Hey, no alcohol. And they just kind of brush over it. But I literally, you know, will often tell my client that means no, no alcohol means no beer, no wine, no liquor, no whiskey, no gin, no hard seltzer, no, you know, and I kind of go through this list and I go and it means anything else. You have to be 21 in the state of Texas to drink and buy. Correct. And no mouthwash with alcohol. (laughs) Yeah. That too. Yeah, like, that's right. Yeah, the one of the judges uh, in Tarrant County that we appear in front of has like the uh, the approved mouthwashes that his probationers can use because so many of so so often their probationers are coming in, his probationers are coming in saying, "Judge, it was just mouthwash," and he's like, "This, these are the three that you can buy and use." You know, um, yeah, because people don't understand like mouthwash has may have rubbing alcohol or ethanol alcohol in it. Um, and, and that will pop sometimes uh, depending on how sensitive your interlock is or how quickly you wash your mouth out before you go hit the interlock or the fact that you're blaming your, your, your mouthwash when you got smashed face. Yeah. I mean, if you like using the mouthwash after taking a couple shots, right. I mean, that happens. I don't know. That's what I do. So Liz, what I'm hearing is like, okay, so the, the, the state, the legislature has allowed for counties and courts and offices, prosecuting offices to create these programs for the benefit of their citizens. It is our responsibility as attorneys, if the prosecution can make their case to find out what programs are available in our jurisdictions to get the best result for our clients. Correct. And you know, they've done a lot, actually, the legislature has to help people because I think so many people are asking for them to change the laws to help them. We have we have created this system, this criminal justice system that has essentially done this scarlet letter on so many people's forehead, right? They go out into society with this criminal record, whether it's the arrest alone, arrest in a deferred or arrest in a conviction. And in Texas, which is different than other states, some states you can actually have a conviction on your record and you can undo it years later, meeting certain requirements. In Texas, mm. a conviction is for life. Right. And a deferred is for life. It's on your record. The only way to get to an expunction, typically in general, is to get to a dismissal. Um, if you want to be able to get to a, uh, to have like the non-disclosure laws, for instance, they change those drastically, I feel like September 2019, which opened up the door to more people being eligible, but created these insane um, statutes that would, re- I don't, I don't know, Andrew, do you do non-disclosures? Do you, are you familiar with the new changes in September that are really funny to try to read? Um, but you have to determine yeah. if the client qualifies under which one of these like 10 right. I, I always tell my client, like, it depends. The waiting period depends. If it's a DWI and you had an interlock, that's different than if, you had, if you're a DWI on probation without an interlock. Um, yeah. So what I always tell my, my clients is, first things first, focus on the immediate future, successfully complete whatever program you're in, and then call my office. We'll go through a checklist that, that, that sees which version of that you are <laughs> eligible for. I mean, it's so confusing. It's so confusing. And some of them are based off of your other criminal history. And let's face it. I know. often don't know what their other criminal history is, right? They only know what we tell them their criminal history is. And we can only do certain, a limited, I would say, review on that compared to what a prosecutor can see in general. But 
it's it's very interesting. I, I appreciated their efforts to make it so that more people could qualify, um, but it's become more confusing as to who does qualify. Um, but I do think it's important that attorneys learn what those laws are, even if they don't practice non-disclosures, because if they're going to allow somebody to plead to a deferred, even some convictions qualify now for non-disclosures. So yeah. they need to know so that they can tell their clients, just like you said, it depends. There's waiting periods. It depends on, on certain facts. First focus on this, but it's possible you might qualify. Um, and certain circumstances, somebody isn't going to qualify at all, right? And they right. need to know that. Um, but it's very important because they're relying on us to tell them how this is going to affect them for the rest of their lives because half the times our clients aren't thinking about the rest of their life. They're just scared and they're concerned about right now and they want to be done with this process um, and they feel pressured and they, they feel like if there's something important, we would tell them. Yeah, I mean, this is really important, like either an expunction or non-disclosure because second chances are important, right? Second chances are so very important. I've had people who are, um, I mean, are, are basically like success stories, just success stories. And they end up, they end up maybe having a criminal record with um, something as simple as a DWLI, okay, conviction. The problem with that isn't for the job, it's that it showed up on mugshots.com. And while they now, right, the wonderful mugshots.com, and they have now have this wonderful job, which has hired them because it's a DWI, they don't care about this prior, but um, now that they're higher up in this position and they get higher and higher up, people want to Google everybody, right? So now this person who I will just say is in the school district and has this amazing job now and is in this whole different person than, than he was many, many years before, um, has to deal with the fact that a parent could Google and see his mugshot. And the only way to get the mugshots.com to remove it is to have a non-disclosure or an expunction, but he doesn't qualify for either. Well, and, 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 and then there's the difficulty of uh, that mugshots.com is not a government agency. It's not a right? government agency. Correct. It may not be located in the state of Texas. Uh, and so even if you, even if you get a court order, I've, I've, I've not experienced this personally, but I know that several people have said that, that they, they didn't even know where to sue them. Yeah. They're, they're ignoring it. Yeah. Ba basically, it, you know, they're like, you don't, you don't have a statute. You don't have anything that kind of ties them in. I also tell every client, if I can Google your name and find it on a news site or in a newspaper, I can never make that go away. Yeah. That's correct. Right? You know, That's so I can't, I can't make the Fort Worth Star-Telegram go back and remove their headline from- Print a retraction? Oh, that'd right, be awesome. Right. right. They're, they're not going to do that. So I've got a guy that came in yesterday that he, he's- you go, I Google his name and like four or five news articles popped up because of his offense. And even if we got it, even if we get him a not guilty completely, those are still going to be there. And anyone that Googles his name, they're going to pop up. Yeah. And it's not, it's not an Andrew Harris and Andrew Decker where you go, well, there's two or three of them in the world. Right. No, it's a guy that there's one. You know? Right. <laughs> well, and God forbid that, you know, this person that you're talking about, Liz, may, may have like a family case come up. You know, what about like a divorce court or child custody hearings? Like those, these mugshots are 
great evidence for that uh, for the other side. I mean, like that that could yeah, really go, look how really, terrible he is. Yeah, he was arrested really? in 2017 for, yeah. for I've had that, yeah. Yeah, I've had that come up actually with a client where an ex was um, not only uh, causing problems, but specifically called CPS and said it was a DWI and said that the children were in the car when they obviously were not. There was no felony DWI. Right. Regular, typical DWI case. Um, but CPS comes out. I mean, and this family's having to deal with that because they found the picture on mugshots.com and wanted to start some some assumptions and causing problems for yeah. people. I, I could feel you wanting to use stronger language. Just you know, <laughs> lots of our guests, we have to put the E at the end of the episode because they use stronger language. Um, so, so, so don't feel don't, free. Th- yeah. Feel free. Better rip. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm holding back. I'm holding back. Because <laughs> it is frustrating though. I mean like that's the frustration in your voice is one, it's an unfair use of the state resources and calling CPS on a case where CPS has no business on. And, right. and it's just completely unfair to a client who's already paid his debt to society. Exactly. Or I, hasn't been proven guilty. Or, yeah, or right. Yes. You know, or is in one of these programs, is entitled right. to an expunction, and now CPS can't verify this, this call um, because those documents have all been destroyed. Correct. Right. It, it has been, and this is, this is where my frustration comes in. At the end of the day, you know, I feel like a lot of the people in this, in the criminal justice system, it tends to just be one more case, one more person's name, one more file, one more DWI, one more assault, family violence, one more, you know, we're, we're so um, desensitized to a lot of it, but these are people's lives. These are people's families. This is their reputation. This is their life. And I get it that a lot of people feel, well, then they shouldn't make bad choices. They shouldn't get themselves arrested. They shouldn't blah, blah, blah. But one thing that I have learned is we're all human. We're all going through this and we're going through this whole thing called life, right? Right. And we're not 100% perfect. I've made a couple of bad choices in my life. I was about to say like (laughs) bad things happen to good people. You know, right. like it, th- I, I hope I'm not being judged on some of this, this the decisions I've made in the past. Oh, I judge you. Yeah, when you walk in the room today, I was like, come on, really? I mean, you just because so, I just because I dress pretty well, you know, it, no, it's all right. Yeah. Andrew, I don't know. I don't know what he's talking about. His bow tie has been undone. Like, really? That's true. You should see how sloppy he looks right now. Bow tie right. is untied. <laughs> yeah, that's not the Andrew I know. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. See, see, Liz knows me. Yeah, she's seen me. She knows. All right. So if you could change one aspect of the law without with all this frustration, what would it be? Wow. That's a that's a pretty big question. Um, you know, I would probably I'm not a big fan of just even non-disclosures. I think that people should be able to undo convictions at some point. I think that people who have demonstrated that they have worked hard to turn their lives around should have the opportunity to have their record reflect that. And I don't think that prosecutors and police officers and judges should be able to take old history and use it against somebody and basically define them and define their character and punish them more harshly in the future because of something before that's not relevant isn't who they are. Now, that's not to say that I think we should just get rid of all prior criminal history, because I'm not saying that, but I think the opportunity, like I said, some sort of criteria or requirements that allow people 
to truly have a second chance by wiping the slate clean, I think is important. And I wish that they had a law that allowed that for people. Right. I mean, that's a great idea. Well, I'm going to use a a real example. Uh, Had a friend who is uh, 40-ish, right? And when she was in her late teens, got a couple of convictions for uh, theft by check. She wanted to go and work as a volunteer at the school for like um, her ch- her ki- her child's class and field trips, and on initial review got rejected. And so we had to go to the school, and she hired me to go with her to go look. These are twenty years old. She now runs a business with her husband. She doesn't want to be. She she's not asking for any clearance to have a checkbook or be in charge of money. She just is willing to go as a parent on field trips and to help out in the classroom because she has the time and the means. But we had to, again, it's 20 years later. It's something that she was 19. How dare she make a mistake in her teens? And she was young and dumb. And she said, you know, I just didn't care at that point. She goes, now it's the thing that haunts me at night is that I try to do something. And people that know me are going to go, Oh, you, you know, and that's what we want people to do is to move on and become better citizens of our society. And we still keep punishing for that. That right there. Yeah. That's a great example. Andrew, seriously, that is exactly. And the fact that she is that ashamed and embarrassed, there's just so many people out there like that. They don't even want to try to fight against that because they're just so upset to know that somebody else knows what had happened. Somebody else knows about the criminal record. Yeah. And overall, this is a really, you know, she's a really nice lady. She's got great kids and a good husband. And, you know, she's a very different person than she was 20, 20 ish years ago. So I'm always grateful that nobody arrested me for the things I did when I was, when I was a lot younger. Once again, I'm so glad there was not Facebook. There was not (laughs) Instagram. People couldn't, use a cell phone to take pictures of me in high school. Um, (laughs) Okay. uh, I have to throw in this one last thing. um, And that is, there is one other law I would change. I do not think children should be prosecuted as adults. So, and I don't mean, and I'm not talking specifically about juveniles being treated as adults that they get certified. I'm talking about the fact that we have 17 year olds being thrown in jail with adults and being charged as an adult and having an adult criminal record when they're not even old enough to vote. And it's not appropriate. It absolutely should be changed. And it's a shame that it hasn't been changed a long time ago. So brilliant. These are great ideas. I know. I'd endorse her for a judge. Yeah. Especially (laughs) in Williamson County. Williamson County, better watch out. Liz Wiggins coming at you. Yeah. She's up over there. (laughs) We ask each of our guests like uh, just a series of fun questions just to like get to know you better. Um, we'll give you an opportunity, like the one of the last questions, just to give some contact information so people can find you. But the first one um, that we're going to throw at you is what is your favorite band or musical artist? So I am not much of a musical person. Um, <laughs> okay. I just like what I like. So well, what do you listen to? So I listen to a nice variety of music. I like alternative I like country. I like um, I like what I call my cultural music. So I like uh, Afro Latin music. I mm-hmm. like African music. I like um, I like a lot of stuff. But I will tell you, there is one band that I like several songs from. Um, that's the Zach Brown Band. So there's that. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, that's like good. That. Andrew's like over here. Like I love Zach Brown. 
<laughs> Which Andrew <Yeah>. said that. <laughs> um, all right. So favorite book or a book that you would recommend to, to the audience? So that's funny. I was just thinking of one the other day. Now I did not finish reading it, um, but there is this book and I want to say it's called something like Tiger Tactics or Powerful Strategies for Winning Law Firms. It's written by this guy named Jay Ruane, R-U-A-N-E, um, and a couple other, there's like more than one author. But that's a pretty interesting book. I haven't finished reading it, but what it does is it really helps attorneys, I think, focus on why did they create a law firm to begin with. Um, I highly recommend it for anybody who has their own law firm to read that. The other book I would say, um, and I'm kind of embarrassed <laughs> to share. Uh-oh. No, Come no, on. Now, 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 now you can just spit it <laughs> out. No. You know what? We're just going to skip that. Let's go to the next question. Let's go to the next question. Oh, okay. come on, boo. <laughs> All right. I'll give you one last chance. So we'll put, and we'll put the tiger tactics. Uh, we'll link to that um, on the show notes. So uh, and what's the other book? We'll just put an Amazon link to it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just, we'll just, we'll just keep that out there. Just make me more mysterious. You know, there's there this you go. Other All right. That. All right. Mystery is a good thing. Contact you directly to find that last one. Out. Right. Okay. So, so what's the best piece of advice you've been given? It can be personally or professionally. You know, there's probably been, I've been really blessed. Um, people have really come into my life. I think since I was really young um, and helped me get to where I am by simply doing their part, I guess, um, whether it was a short time or a long time in my life, but I've been influenced by a lot of different people. And I would say some advice that I would give is um, at the end of the day, um, people, people matter and people should come before material things, they should come before pride, they should come before um, ego, and uh, just people matter. And it's it's hard to remember that sometimes, even as a lawyer, you know, I have my share of times that I get a little frustrated with a client or two, or I'm tired of the same excuses as well. Um, but then I'll meet a client and I'm reminded why people matter and why it's important that I do what I do, that you do what you do. Um, as a defense attorney, my very first client, it was a class C, it was something so minor, but the lady had some very serious mental health issues. Um, and she turned to me and told me that I saved her life. Do I really think I saved her life? No, um, but I think that she was going through a really hard time and this wasn't the first time, it wasn't the second. And the attorney who usually helped her was just kind of, it was just, he was tapped out. He was emotionally tapped out with her and referred her over to me and asked me to, to basically be more of a handholder of an attorney. And I had the energy at the time to do that. And I'm so grateful all the time that I did because I just think that people matter. And it's hard to remember that, but that's my advice is just remember that people matter. That's awesome. It's a great piece yeah. of advice. Yeah, I love that. I love that. So um, what's, your, what's your website or, or email, whatever contact information you want to like throw out to our audience? 
maybe not your personal cell, um, <laughs> but you know, maybe like a website or something that people can just contact you directly if they, if they need some help in, in Williamson County, want to know more about or the pre-trial area. In a, or the surrounding area or um, need some help with the, you know, pre-trial intervention or have questions about that. I'd be happy to help with any of that. Um, you know, brainstorm ideas about anything. I love all that stuff. So I actually am now a law partner with uh, Michael Price. So our law firm is Price and Wiggins. And we're about two blocks from the courthouse up here in Williamson County, which is in Georgetown. My law firm website is georgetownlaw.net. Perfect. Not .com, not .org, .net. .net, y'all. Cool. Yeah. All my contacts info there, and they can... They're welcome to call the office. They can text the number. They can email anytime. It's not a big deal. Fantastic. Excellent. Great. We'll put that on the show notes as well. Good deal. Thank you, well, Liz, it's been a pleasure. It's been fun catching up a little bit. Um, yeah, offline, you'll have to send us whatever book it was that you weren't willing to share with the whole <laughs> audience. We will, we will keep it private between us. Um, but for the rest of you, this has been Andrew and Andrew on Texas Criminal Defense. Andrew, where can they find us? Well, we are on Apple Podcasts. Um, that is, that's the name of the app, Andrew, just in case you're wondering. Um, Google Play. The Google Play is actually going through a transition now. Stitcher. Um, you can find us wherever you can find podcasts. We you can also find us on the web at texascrimdefense.com. Yep. And you can contact us directly through that website. So and you can find do. us on Facebook. Andrew and Andrew on Texas Criminal Defense. Liz, it's been fun. Thanks for playing along, and we will catch you all next time. Thanks. Bye, guys. Bye.